0: almost weekend, everybody, and welcome to Feminist Fiends in Quarantine Queens. I'm Quinn. I'm Nellie. And I'm Pate. And today we're especially excited to have you joining us as we switch gears a bit. Up until this point, we've been focused solely on the FX and Hulu series Mrs. America. And don't worry, the ghost of Phyllis Schlafly won't let us go on too long without discussing the show.
1: However, we realize that in these very uncertain times, As much as we're consuming new media, we're also reverting back to some classic comfort watching. So we decided to challenge ourselves to rewatch a few of our favorite films with a critical and academic eye. We're going to pause our series on Mrs. America for a bit and revisit some of the iconic movies and Hollywood tropes that we find ourselves shamelessly rewatching on demand.
2: Now it's time to kick your feet up, pop some popcorn, and get a family-sized bag of Swedish fish ready for consumption as we invite you to join us for Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens at the movies. We're kicking our show off with my favorite movie of all time, Legally Blonde. The adaption of Amanda Brown's novel of the same name premiered in 2001 with a screenplay by Karen McCullough starring Reese Witherspoon, directed by Robert Leukidic.
1: <laughs> also, y'all, it's especially fitting that we're talking about Legally Blonde this week because this week was Pete's birthday and this no! is her absolute favorite movie. So she is an expert on all things Legally Blonde. So it's fitting that we will be talking about this
0: film as we celebrate her. hbd Quine. Woo! Also, side note rewatching this today, I was especially excited because today, the day that we're recording this is May twentieth, and for all my astrology stands out there, that is the beginning of Gemini season. And fun piece of trivia: Elle Woods and Bruiser Woods are Geminis and vegetarians. And vegetarians. So shout this worked out, out perfectly.
1: Big shout out to all of our Gemini vegetarians out there. I am not. We one of stand. You, but we stand. All two of you. Good. <laughs> Big shout out to Ellen Bruiser. We love. <laughs> So I'm drinking
2: a pink mojito in honor of... Yes. I feel like she would like this.
1: I'm drinking a polar seltzer. I feel like Edith Wexler would like that. So shout out.
0: (laughs) I'm drinking a Chardonnay. Before we were talking about this, I was like, pay it not to let you down. But I think I stay on Vivian. I'm a way less hot, way less rich version of Vivian in my head. So I'm drinking Chardonnay, which I think she would love. We're so on brand tonight.
1: Yeah, and I literally think I'm Enid Wexler, because when she was having that argument about how the semester is patriarchal because of, like, semen, I was like, is this how I sound to people? Like, I was like, straight up, is this what I sound like? But also, that scene, I think, was, like, problematic. But whatever, we can, let's dive in. Let's,
2: let's Let's really dive dive in. in. Let's go for it. Literally where to start, because I could talk about this for hours, like, I'm really trying to think about, like, in my opinion, what my favorite talking points are to start off. But so why don't we just open up with a bang and do it. Talking about stereotypical femininity and how you see Elle as this figure. And throughout the movie, you know, she's always got her hair curled. She's wearing pink. Um, She ends up buying a computer. At the beginning of the movie, she had a pink, fluffy pin, which I loved. Um, but Iconic. But then she bought an orange Apple computer, which really clashed against all the black, boring computers. Also,
0: while in a Playboy Bunny costume. Oh. Might we add. And she looked great. She did. We
2: love you, Elle. We love you, Elle. Um, and then, but then as, what, she gets the internship, she starts straightening her hair. She starts wearing black. She starts wearing her hair back as well. Um, and then, at the very end when she has her pop off feminist moment, she's wearing pink, she's recurled her hair. And I think this is like her coming back into who she really is um, and is fully embracing femininity. Um, And so I think we could start there talking about femininity as well as how she was not seen as a serious quote unquote law student.
0: So okay. something that I thought was really interesting was coming from an English background as well. We love the liberal arts. I, Pete, and I were both English majors. Okay. Um, at the beginning of the movie, and it's been a while since I've seen it, I kind of thought that Elle was a bit of like an Emma character from the Jane Austen novel, where even Jane Austen was like, this is my most unlikable heroine that people end up falling in love with. But as I watched it, I realized that that was because of my own personal prejudices. Here's the tea, all We all have internalized misogyny, and she rears her ugly head. Every- I guess I should say he rears his ugly head every now and again. So watching this movie, I felt like wow way to go you're just making women look like sex symbols especially in the Harvard video essay when the guy comes up and grabs her booty and she's like I object and then turns around to the camera and like flashes a smile I was like oh no sister but watching it and seeing her go they're not so much a character change because I think the thing that sets her apart is her kindness and something that we see a lot or hear a lot after graduating is the difference between quote-unquote hard skills and quote-unquote soft skills And I think that Elle has a lot of those quote unquote soft skills, which is like interpersonal communication and being kind and being personable. And seeing her use those to her advantage. Yes, she uses her sex and her femininity to get her ahead, but you end up rooting for her no matter how much of a Vivian you are deep down inside. I mean, even Vivian ends up rooting for her because of how genuinely kind And in a lot of ways, stereotypically feminine she is. So at the end, it's not like Emma where you see this huge character transformation and she goes from being egotistical and mean to down to earth. It's like Elle starts out rich and privileged. She ends the movie rich and privileged, but she's so kind and she's so good that it's like you don't need her character to change. She just needs to embrace herself.
1: Yeah, I read... um an article, well, I don't even know if it was an article, maybe a blog post by Bridget, um, Shonen. Um, she draws on like how the movie challenges the patriarchy in a unique way. And her article is legally blonde, the most feminist movie ever made. <laughs> um, she writes, <laughs> the she
0: answer, write, yes.
1: <laughs> um, she writes quote, what is unique about the film is that it cha- challenges more than the patriarchy. It challenges feminists ourselves by questioning our presumptions and biases asking questions we not want to answer, end quote. So I'll be honest, like as I was re-watching Legally Blonde last night, and even though we had been like, yes, this will be a great movie to talk about, like we love, um, as I started to watch it, I was like, oh my gosh, I literally don't know how I'm going to talk about this because it, like Quinn was saying, like it is, it really plays into a lot of the biases I have um, against kind of stereotypical femininity. And we get started and Elwood's is like the sorority president that like I personally was taught not to become and yeah if i wanted to be like a strong and powerful woman so i felt a lot of my biases come out surrounding her this in itself is like what the movie is challenging it's like telling you like you are not supposed to have this perspective we are literally trained to be competitive and toxic with one another also yes. it's important to note that like obviously now like i my perspective on sorority presidents is very different like shout out to Maria I love my 82 pres um <laughs> like we laugh um all three of us are we in sororities just we're all so in different know. we are all in different sororities too so True. um i just think like it yeah this movie does a good job of like challenging the the feminist as well as challenging the patriarchy and thinking about how we're embedded in the patriarchy in our ways of thinking Ugh,
0: i just love this movie what about this movie has you coming back to it pate because when we talked about this on sunday when we were planning for this week we knew we wanted to transition into movies and we were like okay legally blonde is a banger that would be a great one to discuss and it was pate's idea and you were like all over it so what about it really attracts you to the film and rewatching it now as a women's and gender studies graduate what did you see in this most recent watching
2: Okay, so it is, that's actually a really good question, Quinn. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Well, it obviously came out in 2001, and I was not allowed to watch it as a child. I distinctly remember my cousins watching it at the beach, and I was not allowed to because I was like 10 or something, which I should have watched as a child because it has great lessons. But anyways, (laughs) I get that. And then, of course, it's always on TV. It's like on CMT or E or something, so I remember watching it a lot in high school and just it's a, such a funny plot like a sorority valley girl gets into Harvard law to win her ex back like that is just a funny topic and then <laughs> as i become a women and gender studies scholar i watch it and you know with so many movies you watch again and you see how problematic it is shout out how to lose a guy in 10 days i used to love that movie and now i just cannot watch it anymore Um, I'll talk about that in a later podcast about the cool girl, more to come, but when I continue to watch Legally Blonde, I would just continue to see more reasons why it was a positive message in the end, kind of like you say, you know, not that I was rooting for it to crash and burn and for me to never love it again, but while watching it, I... Like, my ideas as a feminist were reiterated in this movie, and, you know, it had a lot of thoughtful topics and themes that were something, you know, we're talking about today, like femininity, and, you know, Elle Woods is chasing a man in the beginning, but if she wasn't doing that, then she would have never found her true calling, which is to be a lawyer. And so I just think that's really refreshing. I know there's lots of, like, not lots of, but there are some problematic things that we will probably talk about later. But this movie was made in 2001, but I still think it's, like, relevant today. Um, And then Legally Blonde 3 is coming out, or they're about to- No way. Yes. Yeah, they,
1: like, didn't they just recently announce?
2: Yes. And your girl Mindy is writing it. (gasps) Oh, I'm shook. Yeah. We love. We two. I'm sorry I didn't love. So never it seen was it. a flop. Let's I've, be honest.
1: I've super never seen it. So
2: <laughs> Don't. You're not
1: missing anything. I'll just skip and go to three. It's like what I did with Cars. I watched Cars 1 and then I watched Cars 3.
2: <laughs> and then we don't even need to talk about the travesty that was the Disney Channel movie Legally Blonde. I
0: was just about to bring that up. Oh! I, oh, I did watch
1: that, though. I did watch that.
2: That's <laughs> sad. Sad. But, like, guys, I know you can't see on our podcast, but we literally have five pages of notes on this movie that we all, like, wrote about. So, the fact that, like, we can just dig into this and find so many important topics to talk about this movie goes to show that it's not just, like, a rom-com. It's not just making fun of women or making fun of Harvard Law students, which, like, love doing that because I could never be one. But... uh, Like, you can literally have, like, critical conversations about it as we are now.
1: Yeah, I truly, like, have never annotated Legally Blonde or maybe like it, maybe not, but I really don't feel like have, and then as I was doing it, I was catching so many things that I, like, I don't know, I'm definitely not as big as, big of, like, a Legally Blonde stan as you, but I definitely, like, grew up watching it, so I definitely caught things that I wasn't, I wouldn't have normally caught, like, Even from the very beginning when Elle's at the store buying a dress anticipating getting engaged that night, the sales lady says, there's nothing I love more than a dumb blonde with daddy's plastic. And then Elle like literally disses her with her brains. And so like from the moment like Elle is surprised, like from the very beginning, Elle is surprising you, which is bad that we see it as a surprise. Um, But because of like how we've been ingrained to like group and stereotype. We assume that she is a dumb blonde, um, which is not how we well, want be that,
0: thinking. <laughs> that makes me think of the video that Pate sent us, which is like the legally blonde Elle Woods, the philosophy of a blonde. I can't remember. I think it's by The Take. It's by but the it's a take really- and th- I want to work there.
2: Please hire me. Um, all their videos are fire. And so if anyone loves analysis of pop culture movies and TV shows, please
0: watch it. Um, Pate will send you a pink scented resume at The Take if you would like to hire her. Hi. Um, but I watched the video and it opened my eyes to something that I think that you're touching on, Nellie, which is it's clear from the beginning that she has the smarts, but they're just not geared towards things that society deems important. So, I mean, it's, I think the perfect example yeah. of this is when she's president of her sorority and she's like, from Charmin to generic, I object. And so, you know, you're making fun, or at least if you're me, I'm sorry. I promise I'm not a brat. I mean, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a brat, but we'll talk about that. Hopefully never. Yeah, um, But I'm a Vivian. I'm sorry, guys. But you can see that she has the brains and the smarts, and she has a 4.0. But oh, it's in fashion merchandising. The way that she was looked down on in that moment, and this is also because I'm fragile and a women's and gender studies and English double major in the midst of a pandemic. I was like, girl, I feel you. Because at a certain point, society dictates when you're coming into the job market or you're applying for law school or whatever, what's deemed valuable. And I think that often, things and interests and things that women study are deemed invaluable. So it was kind of refreshing to have my eyes open to that and to have my perspective of her challenged. And I think once I viewed the rest of the film with that idea, it really changed my perspective on her. And like, like I said, like the Vivian in the movie, I ended up at the end really rooting for her and really liking Mm -hmm. her, which I think is, says a lot because I can be very cynical.
1: Yeah, I feel like with that, that um, throughout the movie, I was thinking about Roxane Gay's book, Bad Feminist, particularly the chapter um, that, I don't know if y'all read it, but if listeners, if you haven't read it, you should. We could think very critically about it, but it is a really good book um, and very important. And there's one chapter that I always think about, like, It literally is ingrained in my brain always is 13 rules for female friendships and the first rule is abandon the cultural myth that all female friendships must must be bitchy toxic or competitive this myth is like heels and purses pretty much designed to slow women down which is funny to think about that quote in particular alongside legally blonde because you could argue that if you can do things and heels, then you're even stronger. But that part of the quote isn't so much it, but it's just that throughout the movie, you see Elle denied by other women. Like, it's not so yes. much that she's being denied by men, it's that she's being denied by women. And we have to be thinking, that's why I think the title of the book too, Bad Feminist, is important. It's kind of getting at what you're saying, Quinn. It's that we're, we are not perfect in our feminism because we're in a patriarchal World, so we are like told to be competitive with each other. Told to be toxic, toxic. Oh my gosh, (laughs) toxic, (laughs) toxic, and vicky were combined, and it's toxic. We we toxic, we we toxic. Um, and yeah, just like. And it goes back to what we were talking about on our second episode where, where, um, Gloria was like, the media tries to pin women against each other. And like, we see this in every, I mean, we could probably see examples of this in literally every pop culture thing we'll look at. Um, but just women being pinned against each other is what fuels the patriarchy really.
2: Yeah. And so the takes, um, video that Quinn mentioned, um, they had a really good quote that, basically said that L is seen as the antithesis for intelligence. So therefore every character in this movie thinks she is like complete opposite of what they have you know prepared themselves for Harvard law. And so I think it's really interesting you know at the end of the movie spoiler alert L like <laughs> solves the crime because she knows how perms work, which I don't even know how perms work, but she uses her knowledge of hair care to win this courtroom battle that no one else would know about. And so her intelligence that was deemed as stupid or, you know, unimportant is actually what helps her achieve this victory. Um, It makes
0: me, oh, sorry, please go ahead.
2: No. Well, I was just going to say that Furthermore, Elle, literally every single person comments on how she looks throughout this movie, and rarely do you hear her talk about other people's appearance.
0: Yeah, well, I, what you said, Pate, makes me think of this really toxic either or fallacy that I definitely grew up with and I internalized for a really long time, which is women can only be one thing. Either you're hot, you're smart, you're funny, It's really hard to be perceived as all three. And I think that as women, I can't speak to y'all's experience, but it was definitely mine growing up in the South in a very patriarchal culture. Not my parents, like my family's great. Love y'all. Thanks for letting me be a feminist. So that's (laughs) not a dig at them, but just in general. I think that I grew up being like, oh, well, I'm smart. Hot girls are dumb. You know, and when you're six, you're not like, oh, I hate Tracy because she's cuter than me. But I know my times tables. But growing up, that's something that I found myself really, I mean, and this is a moment of vulnerability for me. But again, internalized misogyny rears its ugly head all the time. But that's something that I find myself having to fight as well and I I think that's why I ended up loving Elle so much as a character at the end because it really is okay no women don't just have to be one thing like yes she's this hot privileged rich girl but that does not mean that she can be written off and has no good or value to the women's movement like I I thought that was really cool and that really challenged my perception and I think she's a great embodiment of a challenge to that either or fallacy
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of why I always like draw back on this like 13 rules of female friendships is it makes me think about how honestly before I went to Swanee, I very much had like that perspective of like, oh well, like I'm like it's just easier to be friends with guys. Like they're like not dramatic. They're um <laughs> like they they <laughs> are they're just like more easygoing and like I'm just like a guy's girl. And like shout out to the handful. <laughs> Y'all probably laugh because like in college, I had like what, like two guy friends, like shout out to y'all, y'all too. It's like, I don't even know if y'all are listening, but I had literally two <laughs> and, um, and I did have female friendships in high school, but like, honestly, it wasn't until I like joined a sorority that I was able to like appreciate the power of female friendships in like a healthy and empowering way. And so it really is interesting how Legally Blonde in a sense can be like, the embodiment of my growth in terms of this thinking, I guess, like, but I agree with you, Quinn, like, it does challenge the way I think, and, like, how before college, like, I, I had a very problematic perspective, like, very much so, um, but here I
0: am. Okay, here's the cheese. Speaking of problematic things, I feel like this is something we need to address because this is an argument that I came across quite a bit today while I was doing some preliminary research before watching the movie. And I mean, full disclosure if y'all see the picture to this podcast, we are simply three white women. Our experiences are not overarching. We try really, really hard to be intersectional in terms of our conversations and honestly, probably fall short of that sometimes and we're willing to admit that. But I do struggle with Legally Blonde. And again, it's hard to be like, well, this movie has to be perfect and embody everything. Because as you were saying, Pate, at its core, it really is supposed to be like a lighthearted romp. Like it's supposed to be a teen comedy. And what you get out of it, if you get more out of that, which clearly a lot of people have, then that's great. That's just like something else that you take with it. But, okay, do we think it's too white feminist-y? Give me the team. What are, what are y'all's thoughts? Because I mean, there is a lack of diversity and people of color. I don't know. What did y'all think?
1: Yeah, I think it's white feministy and also like, well, it's heteronormative, but like, if there's like a way to insert that into white feminist, like a big long phrase, like white heteronormative feminist. Um, But because like the only, like you only see a few examples of people of color and then really the only um sexual diversity that you see is a very stereotypical flamboyant gay guy and
0: men and women and
1: then like a very um like bra burning feminist lesbian so like and and you obviously don't see any like other kinds of sexual diversity or gender diversity um throughout the film so and then of course racially yeah, I mean, I would say this, this movie is, if it is not considered white feminist you, which I would say it is, it at least walks that line.
0: No, how, I, how do we negotiate that? Like, Payton, I know that you're about to speak, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, how do we toe that line?
2: Well, I don't know. I wish I knew, because then I feel like I could, you know, fix the whole world and all of our problems. But no, definitely, like your question about why I love this film and how I've loved it for so long. Once I did become a women and gender studies scholar, you know, I, I don't straight up go out and say legally Blonde is the best feminist film ever because straight up. It is not, it is very white and it is like a bunch of rich people at Harvard um, talking about how they're going to be senators and, you know, all this stuff. And, I really do think the lack of diversity is a problem and I mean you could argue that the judge in the you know final courtroom she is a black woman and so I find that just that symbolic position she's the most powerful person in that room so I appreciated that much but you know it's kind of like Mrs. America we don't have that much diversity in people as well as positions
0: for those people of color. Yeah, I think that's a great point.
2: Yeah, I don't want to use the fact that it was made in 2001 as an excuse um, because it's not, but I do think like 20 years in our pop culture, just like watching it shift, I definitely think Legally Blonde 3 is going to definitely have a higher standard for diversity than a movie made in 2001. And I think it's going to be wonderful and hopefully better than the first and the second.
0: I mean, it doesn't take much to be better than the second.
2: And that's the tea. But yeah, I mean, there's no perfect movie. And so I'm never going to straight up say Legally Bond* is the best feminist film, but it's one of my favorites for sure. But I do think, yeah, it's, like, a good question to, like, you know, sometimes you got to call yourself out and be, like, I love this movie, but does it embody white feminism? And, you know.
1: And I think if our liberal arts education has taught us anything, it's how to, like, think critically about stuff that we can, like, also recognize has importance. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say, like, we should not write off Legally Blonde, but we should be, like, this is no longer... Necessarily acceptable in terms of being yeah. like, it is certainly not intersectionally feminist. Like, you cannot make any kind of argument that it is intersectional, it super is not. Yeah. Um, which is why I was like, uh, like, should we be talking about it on the podcast? But also, I'm like, no, like, we can think about things critically, like, we can be like, okay, like, let's highlight what it does well, and this is one of the things that it does not do well, and like, yeah. Think about how we, I mean, I, what I've liked about this podcast so far, again, this is fourth episode, but how we're able to, like, be building off each episode and being like, okay, well, how does this relate, like, to other episodes we've talked about how, where, what's missing?
2: I think, you know, speaking about race and gender, one of the funniest scenes, I think, is um, the, the board of Harvard guys letting all the... Let, or deciding if Elle Woods is going oh, to be. Oh, yeah, all injured. the white
0: dudes judging all the admissions. All the old white dudes sitting there,
2: and, you know, who knows if that was on purpose or not, but I just, I thought that was so funny, and, like, almost a little jab at Harvard, or just, like, Ivy Leagues in general being, like, oh, look, and they're talking about, like, you know, we always talk about diversity. Let's let this fashion major blonde girl in, which like I get yeah. she's different from the stereotypical Harvard student, but I just thought that was really funny and kind of sly. Who knows they're doing it on purpose, but you know, I, I just thought that was a good critique on just college admissions, college in general, and who sits on these boards that are judging us.
0: And I thought it was cool that and in that moment, because I, I, I did struggle at the beginning of this movie, I even talked at the beginning of the podcast about the issues that I had with her Harvard admissions essay. But I do agree, seeing these white dudes have their system be used against them, like, even, it's clear that Elle was not thinking that way. Like, when she was making that movie with a Coppola, she was like, This is the tea. I am a star. I deserve to get in. But watching it as a viewer, you're like, this is ridiculous. But to see these old white dudes have their desire to sexually possess a woman be turned around and used against them, and then they give this woman a position that she ends up using for the greater good, I agree. That was really cool. And I do think it's indicative of college admissions today. I do. I, a lot of academia, and it has been forever, and hopefully it will not always be this way, but a lot of academia is dominated by white men, and I think that that's another way to trace the patriarchy.
1: Yeah, and I think we kind of see a similar scenario where she's able to turn the patriarchy around on itself and, like, reclaim her power is, like, when she's in the office with Callahan and he... Um, hits on her? It. Yeah, hits on her he hits on her and she's like, what the hell? And leaves. And granted, like, it's important to note that most women that are in that position, like, don't really have that, um, don't have the position to just, like, peace out and leave. I mean, I'm hoping we're going to talk about bombshell eventually on this podcast. And I think, like, that's a perfect example of, like, how, like, women are put in a position where, like, the only way they can succeed in industries is, like, sexually, which is of course problematic and um but like with that we see her like that like when she walks out is like to me that's like the end of the movie (laughs) like really I'm like yes she's doing it she's living
2: her truth it's literally the me too movement we're witnessing it um in a sense in 2001 I know I keep bringing up the year but like
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're like three years old you're like 2001
2: 2001, my prime. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like, was four. I just want that to be known. I'm the oldest. Okay, I was four. Okay, Libra. <laughs> I am a freshly new 22-year-old, one day old. But, um, yes, 2001 was my prime. Anywho. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just think it's, like, so interesting. Obviously, this has been happening in the workforce for women as long as women have been able to work. But I think this was just really interesting that, you know, they included this in a rom-com. It's very, like, touchy subject.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: and, you know, it is upsetting to watch as a viewer because we witness Elle actually growing in her strides as a lawyer. We see these, she's working hard. She buys a laptop in a, you know, Playboy Bunny outfit. She answers questions in class. and. Can outsmart her trashy ex boyfriend. And then, Callahan, you know, chooses her because she's hot and has a pink resume. So it's disheartening as an audience to witness that, of course. And then Callahan just sucks in general. We can talk about how much she sucks. Oh my god, he literally—I
1: never had noticed him asking Vivian for coffee, which is like dumb that I've never noticed that. But also, I really don't think I've watched this movie since I was like a child. Which probably when I was a child, I was watching it and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's normal to ask a woman to get you some coffee," which is a pro- like that is a problem in itself to think that that is normal. But he literally does it so many times, and then she brings it up, and you're like, "Okay, thank God that you're fending for yourself in some capacity." But it's just problematic. I'm like Warner is not helpful at all he can go get you some coffee
0: but I think that I keep bringing up Vivian y'all I know she's messy like when she kicks Elle out of no I love her like that was a little bit messy but I simply have to stand except for the moment when Elle comes out of the office and I think that it speaks to this lack of female friendships that we're supposed to grow up with Especially in the year 2001. I can't imagine that that was a hot topic at the time. Um, But then again, I was three. I didn't even know the word topic, so I could very well be wrong.
1: I was four. I probably
0: knew it. Yeah, Yeah. big Libra energy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we see Vivian, like, write L off because she sees her as a threat and she thinks that she's weaponizing her sexuality the same way that i as a viewer thought that l was weaponizing her sexuality at the beginning of the film and so to see that have such a devastating effect on l and to recognize no she was simply not asking for this like she cannot help this is going to sound a bit ridiculous but she cannot help that she is viewed as a sexual object there is simply nothing that reese witherspoon could do in that role, to not be viewed as something consumable to the male gaze based on her physical attributes. She can speak up in class all she wants to. She can prove herself. She can dress more seriously. Going back to Pate's previous point, she can stop wearing pink. But at the end of the day, she's still susceptible to these male advances, these inappropriate male advances, because she's a woman. And Vivian sees that as a threat because she doesn't think that that's a viable option for herself. Oh, it was just... And just I like, and talk about oof moments in every single podcast episode, but that was the biggest oof. Vivian, girl, open your eyes. I want to stand.
1: Yeah. And also, like, to blame, like, to essentially say that, like, Elle is being sexualized because of the way she looks, that is in itself victim blaming. So, like, if we're, like, yes. I found myself buying into that and I was like, shit, I'm victim blaming. And that is, like, not what we want to be doing.
2: Hmm. Nah. It's okay we though. love you, Elle.
0: Because Vivian really does have the best character arc. She does. Well, this is actually interesting. So I read on the interwebs, the most trusted source of all time, that the original Legally Blonde ending actually took place after the court scene. And Elle goes out. She turns down Warner. Yes, Queen, we stand." Kisses Emmett. And then we see a blonde Vivian, like, walking arm in arm with Elle through the crowd. And that did not test well with audiences and thank God it did not. Because I think that if we were, and this is ridiculous to say again, it's a little bit, but this whole film is a little bit ridiculous. We're just going to own it. To see Vivian, I think, buying into like this idea, the philosophy of blondness, I don't think that fits her character. And so I love the final character arc where we see Elle finally embracing herself for who she is because That aptitude and that intelligence and that drive has been there from the beginning. That is clear. And that kindness and generosity finally pays off. It's like the ultimate good guy wins. And we see Vivian cheering her on in the audience. Oh, like that just makes my heart explode. Because at the end of the day, this is not a rom-com to people. Like, yes, it's at its heart, like something that's silly and fun and a feel good watch. And that's why we're rewatching it for like the 27th time in quarantine. But that's not what it's about. Like, we're so invested in these women that we want to see these arcs play out. And, like, what's the Wilson... Luke Wilson, he's just an added bonus. Like, we stand, but he's not the point.
1: Which I love. I I love, love that. I will say, like, if I were to, like, critique that end just, like, a little bit more, I wish that some of the, like, like, future developments that they share... Like had been in a different order. Like I almost wish that they had shared that Vivian and Elle were best friends. Like last, because then we'd be like ending on the female friendships, That's not so on ending with her like being in love with Emmett. Which like we stand, Emmett. Like he is a supportive king. Like we do not. And also he's sexy. Sorry to my family that listens to this podcast. Mom and dad, close your ears. He's sexy. Like we love. We love a supportive man. Um, but. It does, like, I was like, no, this is rom-commy at the very end. Like, I was just like, oh, we did so well. And then, and I just, of course, the movie doesn't really set itself up well for a sequel, which maybe we could blame, maybe that's what we could blame on Legally Legally Blonde 2 being so terrible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's it, we found
1: It's because of the ending of Legally Blonde 1, that's why.
2: Can we talk about Emmett for a little bit and, like, their beautiful healthy relationship we stand. so like I deliberately like love watching the clip of when they meet for the first time because everyone's like oh my gosh who's this blonde girl at Harvard Why? and like you know when she pulls up to orientation she's cat called she's made fun of because she wants a social calendar which there's nothing wrong with wanting to socialize with your peers um, and then <laughs> you know, she's judged for wearing pink, and that's not her GPA, um, and so Emmett's, like, the first person, she just got kicked out of class, and she's really upset, and she sits down on the benches, and she, he's, like, are you all right? Like, he's the first person to ask her, are you all right? He's not even hitting
1: on her. He's literally just, like, let's talk about
2: your class. He's, like, you're okay, and then, she is venting about how she gets kicked down and he gives her tips on each professor. And, you know, she goes, I'm really glad I met you. And I'm like, I love this foreshadowing because they're going to get married. Um, <laughs> and, and then you just continue to see him fall for her as a person and not as a sex symbol. Yeah. He yeah, said. and
0: he's, I, even though, oh my gosh, the scene with, what's the pool boy's name? Enrique. Enrique. I think I literally just blocked it out of my memory, because although that scene is funny and iconic, oh, it's so messy in 2020 to watch and be like, oh my god, he knew what my shoes were. Like, he must be gay. That's crazy. And no, I'm like, and then I- Emmett
1: outs him, which is problematic, too.
0: Yes, but the fact that Emmett believes in her, do I wish that it had been like, wow, female friendship, let me illustrate it. And Emmett was like, yes, Slay, let me prove it to the court. Yes. Unfortunately, it was literally outing a man and playing into ridiculous stereotypes. But he is the only one who believes in her. And at the end of it, he doesn't expect any kind of sexual favor or relationship or commitment from her. Except I will say, Pate, I'm sorry to point this out. But when she's buying the Apple computer and she's in her Playboy Bunny outfit, He taps her on the shoulder and she's like, don't ask. And he's like, I wasn't going to. And at first I was like, yes, slay. And then we stand and then we see him give her the good old up, down with the eyes. And I was like, if only the camera had cut like three seconds before that, it would have been a perfectly fine scene. Like he is in the law school bookstore, just having a time, like checking up on her. It could have been so cute and so fine. And, oh, that made me stand whoever, a little bit. Whoever
1: last. wrote that part also wrote the very end and decided to put Emmett last instead of yeah. Vivian last. And then yeah. I would have remembered Vivian more after watching that as a child.
2: We have higher hopes for Legally Blonde 3. We're banking a lot on Legally Blonde yeah. 3. Catch yeah, please don't let us down. we still a
0: podcast then. <laughs> Reese, Mindy, I know that you're our biggest fans. Like, you've promoted us on social media. You follow us on Spotify. Like, we love you guys. Thank you so much please we are dead ass begging you let's make this better don't let it flop don't let it flop
1: um before we close out um i would like to shout out the fact that you sexy thing by hot chocolate plays in the background when paulette does her bed and snap for the first time and breaks her boyfriend's nose um i just think that that's really important to point out um Similar to how I, Why? I don't know, just similar to how I highlighted Archie Bunker last week, I want to highlight Hot Chocolate, the song You okay. Sexy Thing. Everyone after this, that should be cued right now. Cue it on your Spotify and listen to yeah. it after this. We stand that song.
0: If we, if we had, if we had the wonder, money wonder. to play it at the yeah, beginning of the Yeah, if we just bought the copyright
1: for it, we would, we would put it out
0: this podcast. We would but do it. But Just just imagine it. Imagine that my GarageBand intro is not playing and my GarageBand outro is not playing. It's You, Sexy Thing by Hot Chocolate. Just, like, picture that.
2: Quinn is a woman of many talents.
0: GarageBand is not one of them. I I thought it was. It was pretty good. Thanks. Shout out to multimedia class in seventh grade.
2: So before we wrap up, I just wanted to tell y'all what my favorite quote of the movie is. Honestly, if you come watch it with me, um, I can quote the whole movie, most of the whole movie, just because, like I said, I'm always watching it on CMT whenever it's on. But fun fact, my favorite quote is actually my phone background, and it is when Elle walks past Warner for the very first time after not seeing him being dumped, not seeing him all spring semester and summer. She is in Harvard, walks past him, and he goes, Elle, what are you doing here? Are you here to see me? And she goes, no, silly. I go to school here. And he goes, you got into Harvard Law? And she goes, what, like, it's hard? <laughs> that is that the was interview.
0: the performance of a lifetime. We
2: love that reenactment. That was not a recording of the actual movie, guys. Don't worry. Don't copyright us. Oh, my
0: God. That was literally paid. Like, give her an Oscar.
2: But that's the energy that we're all bringing. What? Harvard Law? Not hard. Okay, even though Elwood's basically got a perfect score on the LSAT. So just remember that you are more than capable of doing anything that you set your mind to. And make sure to give us a follow on Instagram, Feminist Fiends. And we would love to hear your opinions on what you would like to watch, what you would like to listen in the next coming weeks. We have a few ideas, Um, but yeah, give us a, give us a follow and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye.